Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Pittsburgh Steelers fall to 1-2 following a devastating home loss, getting upset by the Cincinnati Bengals 24-10 this past Sunday. I am Tom Opperman. With me, as always, is Jacob Breck here. On Don't want to be here, though. I want to be here. The people need us now. We are the saving grace for this team. Lost in the sea of Steelers Nation as their ship seems to be drowning to the depths of Davy Jones's locker. What the hell was that that I just said? That was some I, I, I like blacked that, out. I like blacked there. out like Will Ferrell in old school and just gave some some Ooh. word poetry what, what, what there. It, it's tough to sit here though and be one and two after that loss to the Bengals because you know before we get into this game specifically just kind of looking at things as the whole picture of 2021 now mm-hmm. it's gonna get tougher man i mean how many times did we say you make the playoffs in september and october if you're the pittsburgh steelers that's when the schedule kind of is light enough for you to stack up some wins Certainly. and the big ones that you circled were the raiders the Bengals, the broncos the bears and the lions those were the ones that you said these should easily be five wins right mm-hmm. here. And they've already dropped two of those five games. Now, they stole one from Buffalo that we didn't expect them to win, so I guess you got a bonus one there. But you've already given that one back and then some by losing these next two games at home, Raiders and now the Bengals. Like I said, man, schedule just gets tougher from here. Even – the team like the Broncos that we circled as one of those probable wins, they're 3-0 and now, so they might not be as much of a pushover yeah. when they come into Heinz Field in two weeks' time. Right. So, you know, it's very worrisome that they're 1-2 and two right now, what you could call probably the easiest part of their schedule. The offense looks... Putrid. Ter- it's a good word. Uh, any adjective that you want to use that negatively describes right. something, Throw it, up it on applies. The wall. It's going to stick. And there's just no prospect of them getting better. So no prospect of the offense getting better. They're still not a completely healthy on the defense. And the schedule that was already the toughest in the league looks like it might be even a little bit tougher than we thought. The teams that you were We're in an avalanche right now. Yeah. I hate to say that, but we're in an avalanche right now in week three. The teams that you thought that the Steelers could pull off a win against are now doing a lot better. Like the Raiders are doing better. The Raiders are three and zero. You mentioned the Broncos, who are now three and zero. The Bengals are now two and one. The Steelers sit in last place in the AFC North. That is an uphill climb, if I've ever heard of one, Tom. And we haven't even gotten around to mentioning that stretch in December when it's Titans and Ravens and Chiefs and 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 everyone else who who were in the playoffs last year. It is not going to be easy. You and I were sitting here after the week one victory over the Bills saying, okay, well, now we kind of see after stealing a win against Buffalo, 10 wins is pretty pretty decent of an achievable goal. And now after two back-to-back losses at home, mind you, I mean, first of all, a home loss for Steelers is pretty rare. Back-to-back home losses is even more. And to have that be the start of your season – and the way this offense is shaping up to look, it just does not seem like there is any light at the end of the tunnel. It, you just cannot logically find a solution. That's what I mean. Like, I was sitting at home last night watching the Packers and Niners game, really thinking about, you know, what could the Steelers do 
off and it's all offensively. That's that's the big part of it. Because yeah, even though I mean, even though the defense was hurt in this game, they still only gave up twenty four points. And obviously the deep ball to Jamar Chase at the end of the first half. Hurt. That's the one that really hurts and the one you gotta you gotta weed out of the game. But same you, thing you, as the Henry Ruggs play. You can you weed go. those those out. You you can coach up and, and get that out of your system. Uh, so the defense, and again, it's going to get healthy. So I think and the you defense also is, don't even know if Andy and Dalton. Wow, I'm going way back in my Bengals history here, but you don't even know if Joe Burrow has time to make that throw, or if Derek Carr has time to make that throw to Henry Ruggs. If TJ Watt is Watt's in the, the game, yeah. or if two, it's healthy and he's in the game. So I, I give the defense a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt, and I see that they do have an opportunity to improve because they're going to get healthier potentially starting this week. Uh, against the Green Bay Packers. But, yeah, it's that offensive side of the ball. There's just nowhere to turn to get answers because no. you can't put Ben on the bench. It's just not – that's just not a, a plausible thing to happen. You, This isn't like the Eli Manning, Daniel Jones scenario where you have a number one overall pick sitting in the wings that you can at least somewhat explain away to your fan base, hey, we're going with our number eight overall in the draft pick, Daniel Jones, here. You don't have that as the Steelers. And, two, there was that sign that when Odell left, Eli really just had nothing left to give. Ben has that sign, too, that he has nothing left to give right now, but there's but no, there's there's no there's option. Not, yeah, there's, there's nothing there. And there's no there. obvious reason as to why he was doing semi-well. Like, he can still do enough, but it's what is now considered enough isn't nearly enough. Look, with a quarterback that's Ben's age— you saw it last year with the Colts and Phillip Rivers. You need a world-class offensive line. You need a top-notch running game. And you need a really good defense to be able to use a quarterback at that senior of an age. And could Ben still win in this league at age 39? Maybe. I'm not exactly 100% sure anymore. I don't know. If, I but don't you drop if... him behind a team that's got better pass protection mm-hmm. and a really good running game. He definitely doesn't look as bad as he's looking right now. Here's the way I look at it. When the Steelers brought in Joe Schobert, it was great. We knew our weakest link on defense was Robert Spillane. Let's shore that up with a guy like Joe Schobert. Looking at it from the offensive line perspective, when they brought in Trey Turner, it should have been, okay, our guard here opposite of Kevin Dotson is our weakest link, whoever it was going to be. We need to shore that up. And they went out. If they were to go out and get Trey Turner, it's like, okay, great. Now we don't have a weak link on offensive line. The opposite is what happened. Everyone on that offensive line is either A, inexperienced, or B, playing poorly, or C, doing both. And Trey Turner fits into that category as well. It's no, it's not that Trey Turner was brought in to kind of put a pin on the offensive line and say, now we don't have to worry about it. Everything is good here. He was your best offensive lineman in that group based off of experience and based off of Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl history. But he's not even playing remotely close to that level, and he was your best offensive lineman going into the season. And if he's not playing up to that level, and he's your best guy, that means your offensive line is in a horrible, horrible, horrible state of affairs. Had a bad false start penalty yesterday mm-hmm. in the game. Uh, Steelers had 10 penalties overall in that game yesterday. That's... That's the thing that's also concerning is it's not like they looked like an injured football team out there that was playing, you know, with a short, uh, a shortened deck, not enough cards in the deck. Mm-hmm. They just looked like a bad football team at times. Those ten penalties, uh, Ray Ray McLeod just tripping in the middle of the field on a punt that he let then go behind his head, and the Bengals get an extra twenty yards of field position in that game. 
yeah, they're doing things the bad football teams do. Honestly, you can nail the or you can put the rugs play and the Jamar Chase deep bombs in that category too. Bad teams do that. They give up big mm-hmm. plays late in bad situations like third and tens for the rugs case or in Burrow and Jamar Chase's case with only seconds remaining in the first half after you had just gone on your best drive of the day to tie the football game at 7 to 7, you hand things right back to them. So, yeah. It looks like an undisciplined defense or an undisciplined football team. It looks like a team that makes mistakes that a bad football team does. And it's so hard for me to sit here and say that they're a bad football team and I'm still not really ready to go completely there yet because it's just never happened before. Like even in the the years with Tomlin that the team has looked a little suspect, they seem to get things together and improve as the year goes on like Last time you'd seen someone have a slow start, you'd expect, okay, November there's going to be a three- or four-game winning streak coming. And the biggest problem here is there's no bright side with that offensive side of the ball. I guess if you were really trying to stretch and find one, it would be that Najee Harris looks like a legitimate NFL feature back, and he's really impressive in the open field so far, and he really made his impact felt in the receiving game in this past uh, game against the Bengals. Mm Mm-hmm. But other than that, and again, that's a big stretch because he still isn't able to have his most impact with the team around him being so poor, uh, there's no bright bright side for you to to pull on. And on top of all of this, the offensive line, which was terrible to begin with, is injured now heading into the Packers week. Don't know if Trey Turner is going to be able to play dealing with a concussion. Dan Moore Jr. is dealing with an injury. Don't know if he's going to be able to play against the Packers. It's, it, there's no bright side there as is far no as that's concerned. There is no light at the end of the tunnel, Tom. It, this offense was priority number one to fix in the offseason. And you thought, we all thought, that that was going to be addressed by the promotion of Matt Canada from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator and the acquisition of Najee Harris through the draft in the first round. And the Steelers made a gamble. They said, we know our offensive line is struggling, but we think that Najee can be big enough of a playmaker that it can overcome that our setback there. And right now, Najee Harris is, is, is basically negated for his potential because of how bad the offensive line is. Adam Crowley said yesterday, he thought that the offensive line couldn't get any worse than it was in 2020. Yeah, it's it's looking worse. Than, way worse. It's looking way worse, which we thought was virtually impossible because of how bad it already was to start last year. You have to remember, last year James Conner, before he got hurt, was averaging over four, four and yards a carry. Yeah. Like the line was better last year, even though it was terrible last year. But it's a whole other level this year, man. It, it is. It's and, hard to hard to fathom. And then in tandem with the Najee Harris being totally neutralized because of that bad offensive line, Matt Canada. I saw a meme on Twitter. It's one of those things where it's like you you see a picture of Matt Canada, uh, you see a picture of someone wearing glasses, and then a picture of Matt Canada, and then the person kind of rubs their eyes, and like it's it's getting a little clearer, and then once they're done, it's a picture of Randy Feigner. And I don't. Think it, 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 it's it's the same offensive scheme that we saw last year, and there's no reason for the Steelers to have gotten rid of. Randy Feekner, if Matt Canada is going to run the same offense. Sure, we're seeing a little bit more pre-snap motion. You saw a little bit more of Derek Watt. He wasn't that effective. But it's all, it's, it's, it's the same productivity. It, it, it's the same output. 
Well, I question if that's even Matt Canada's choice. Like, I don't – I'm not going to be sitting here and say that Matt Canada came in as the new offensive coordinator and said, I like Randy's playbook. Let's just No, I don't that. think it's Matt Canada's they're fault not, at all. They're but... not learning the offense. They're not running the new offense. And so to that point, it's it's what's the point of getting rid of Randy if you're not going to make your just, guys make the effort to learn something Just keep new. Randy until Ben retires mm-hmm. then at that point. If Ben's not going to exactly. be able to, to run it – and. With the Canada offense, I think the ones that you see, the pl- and I'm ignorant on this, so I don't know if this is fact, but the plays that I think are his are the ones where you see guys stand up, three different guys stand up and go in motion. The formation changes at the last mm-hmm. second. I think a lot of the under-the-center stuff is Matt Canada's offense. Najee Harris's 20-yard rush. Ben was under center. It seems to me like anytime they get under center, they at least have momentum going forward and can help this running game somewhat. But those under-the-center snaps are few and far between again this year. And we said all in the offseason, you got to improve the running game. But off of that, you got to have Ben under center a lot more, and you got to have more play action. And you haven't seen the running game improve because the offensive line is just so abysmal. Ben has barely been under center. Granted, it's been more than last year, I'd say, but it's still not enough. And that offensive line, again, is just... It's awful. It's perplexing how bad it can be at moving bodies. Uh, And then finally, the play-action thing. Uh, You saw a play-action pass after Najee Harris's big run yesterday. It's a great time to try to use it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think it worked at all, but you don't see it throughout the game. There's no continuity with that play-action pass game. And those are the big three things that you really saw and said if they can improve those three things and use those three things more this year – Offense is going to improve with a, a better playmaker in Najee Harris, and it's just not happening because they're not committing to the things that they need to commit to. No, they're not, Tom. And it, it, all Steelers fans are doing the same thing watching that game yesterday. They're they're screaming at their TV. They're slamming remote against their couch uh, armrest. It's frustrating. We used the word insanity over and over and over last year, which is ironic because the definition is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And really, you know, I, I, I mentioned that meme about the Randy Feekner and the Matt Canada clearing your goggles or clearing your glasses thing. You can do the same thing, just put up a picture of the 2020 Steelers and the 2021 Steelers. There is very little difference on offense between those two units. Agreed. I think the, the most outlying difference is the fact that the offensive line was bad last year and it's somehow somehow some way even worse this year Najee Harris had 14 carries for 40 yards that's a 2.9 average per carry his how about long, this Tom his long was that 20 yard run that we mentioned earlier did anyone have was there a bet by anyone that Najee Harris would get a 100-yard receiving game before he would have a 100-yard rushing game? I don't know if there was a legitimate bet placed about that, but if you're listening and you did have that bet, congratulations, because Najee Harris went over the century mark receiving yesterday on 14 catches. He had 103 yards, averaging 7.3 yards per catch. He was targeted 19 times. Those 14 catches could easily be 16 or 17, too, because he had a couple late in the game that were literally right in his hands on a dump off that he just dropped. I mean, I think the team was completely def- defeated at that point. And yeah, Billy kind of said it was the microcosm of the game. Of the game. Like, things just completely snowballed out of control for them at that point. Uh, so, 14 catches, though, for Najee Harris. I guess that's one little bright spot you can point out in all of this is that 
that's the kind of usage we wanted from him in the passing mm-hmm. game. I don't know about 14 catches, but certainly feeding him the ball and targeting him second or third, in this case first most, of anybody on your team. Yeah, I mean, I look to the running game too. I, it's just so frustrating. You, 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 we talked about that 20-yard run, which was a great run. You take that run away, Tom, he has 13 carries for 20 yards. I mean, we what with that with that twenty yard carry, he averaged just under three yards per carry. I I can't do the math. What's what's thirteen carries for twenty yards? Uh, like it's a one little point over one something. Yard carry. Yeah, yeah. One point something. I mean, that's not Najee Harris's fault, man. Right? You can't put that on him. No, and you look at the other side of things. Joe Mixon rushes eighteen times. He has got ninety yards. He averages five yards per rush. He had a twenty-seven yard uh, run as his long run. That's not you know anything super flashy but 90 yards on the ground by one running back is legit in the nfl averaging five yards a carry by one running back is very legit in the nfl and even though they didn't workhorse him and it's not like they gave mixon you know 40 carries in this game they still had a pretty nice split between him and burrow burrow only attempted 18 passes and there were 18 carries from Joe Mixon, 24 total rushes from the Bengals. So, yeah, do you know how many passes Ben Roethlisberger threw well, yesterday? He threw 58 passes yesterday where they only ran the ball 15 times, one of which being a Ben Roethlisberger scramble for five yards. So you look at the other sideline and look at that balance that they're striking. They're running the ball more than they're passing the ball, and Joe Mixon is getting five yards every time he touches the football. And look at how it helps your offense. That opens things up. Joe Burrow can hit Jamar Chase deep down the field. There's respect for Mixon now. Steelers don't have any of that going for them on the offensive side of the ball. And to kind of look at the Bengals again as a team that's doing what you'd hope the Steelers would be able to do, that offensive line ain't great. That's not mm. that's not an all-star offensive line yet in Cincinnati. But they're able to use their running game to keep the pressure off of those guys, to have them block downhill. So when they do pass block, it's not like – you know, the Steelers are pinning their ears back and they're just rushing six guys without any care in the world that there could possibly be a draw play or a screen play coming on the other side of things. You keep the defense off balance. It helps protect your quarterback when your line's a little lackluster. And it did yesterday with, even though T.J. Watt being out and Alex Highsmith being out, you'd expect the Steelers to still be able to get a sack. Joe Burrow was kept clean the entire football game. So you kind of just look at that and you say, I want that if you're a Steelers fan. I want that balance on offense. I want that running game that helps protect my quarterback. And you, just, you don't have it there's because there's no commitment to that running game. And even if there were a commitment to the running game, it might be a fool's errand at this point because you can't just keep running your head into a brick wall over and over again if the line's not going to get any push and create any lanes for Najee to go through. Yeah, it, it certainly doesn't seem like they're – is any lane not just for Najee to go through, but for the offense to take in order to make an improvement? You you can lay out all you want, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, and it seems that every week we come in here to talk about the offense, dating back to last season, the advice is not taken. Right? No, they 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 just have no sense of what the, it feels like. They have no sense of what they need to mm-hmm. accomplish to become better obviously that's a stupid thing to say they're nfl coaches they shouldn't understand what the problem is i think that they just are stuck in a spot where they look at film and they say we need to improve this 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 and this and then they go we don't have the personnel to do this 
and they say we don't have the line that's up to speed yet to really accomplish what like Tomlin's probably sitting there saying we got to run the football better like next week we got to really run that ball better there's if we want to win we need to protect Ben's arm more we need to show that he you know doesn't have to make every single play 58 passes a game we need to run the ball more and then as he watches film he's gonna go I don't know if we can run the ball anymore because I don't think our line will allow it to I yeah, think that's the spot they're stuck in. It's kind of a silly excuse, and I look to another excuse that the team made when asked about the fourth down uh, call in the red zone. That was just a dump-off pass to Najee Harris that netted you negative one yards. Tomlin claimed that they had run out of plays. You, you can't You can't, you can't think, run out of plays. A, you can't run out of plays. That's just not a real thing. B, you're, the play that you go with when you're out of plays, the one you scheme up is throwing a ball laterally to Najee Harris. Let's stick with that for a second here to end this episode because, A, I don't understand Tomlin's explanation of it. We ran out of plays. That's Regardless, that's bogus. But, B, Ben Roethlisberger is going into the Hall of Fame on his first ballot. Man's won two Super Bowls. Physically, yeah, the body's probably gone. Mentally, it should still be as sharp as ever. He should be able to read defenses. Right. And his excuse was that, that the look that the Bengals were giving him, he it was like a picket fence look, and he thought that that swing to Najee Harris would have been the better play. And then in hindsight, he wishes he would have maybe changed it and gone to the end zone. And I'm like, what do you mean in hindsight, dude? Like, this is easy stuff this is, man this, this is, is something football level of of common knowledge like if canada and tomlin call in that play to you with the primary target being Najee on the swing pass i would think that ben roethlisberger would say no and just call a different play look into his wristband and say nope we're gonna run this play i want frymuth and ebron running crosses into the end zone juju and uh claypool get into the back of the end zone and just run around and try to get open. Najee, leak out into the end zone. Every Everything needs to end in the end zone, though. Mm-hmm. And it's bizarre that Tomlin gave that a- a explanation at the end of the game, but I think the more bizarre part is that Ben Roethlisberger ran the play. That's the part that's really concerning, is that guy's been, this, that guy's been around the block more than Matt Canada has as far as, the off, uh, as far as running an offense in the NFL is concerned. That guy knows how to come back in games better than anybody except for maybe number 12 that we saw last night on Sunday Night Football. Mm. Like, that guy has made a living of, you know, the hero act, mm-hmm. you know, changing the play and and a little bit of drawing stuff up in the dirt with guys and like, hey, run this route. And mm-hmm. he just calls some hot route at the very last minute. And then you're in that spot this past Sunday against the Bengals, and he just takes whatever the play call was, runs it, throws a swing pass out to Najee, he gets strung out for like a one-yard gain, and it's fourth and nine. That was fourth and ten, so you get a yard, balls over on downs. Like, it's it's baffling to me that Ben would run that play. It really is. Yeah, it completely is, and that follows up a fourth down play that the Steelers decided to punt on rather than go for. And I had said last week that in that situation, it's almost like a catch-22. Because if the Steelers don't go for it, everyone's yelling at the team. Why don't you put yourselves at least in the position to try? I mean, if you don't get it, then the game is over, and that's okay. You were already down by two possessions. Nothing is going to change with that little time left if you don't get it. But if you go for it, the play call that you're going to see 
Steelers fans could easily be scratching their heads over and saying, what was that? And guess what, Tom? The exact same thing happened this weekend, or, or, or just yesterday, where if you go for it on fourth down and you don't get it, nothing is going to change. So you might as well go for it. Well, they learned their lesson from last week, right? They at least went for it, which is good because they were in their own ends, or they were in the red zone, right? They were, what, 10 yards to go to the goal line? So to punt or to kick the field goal there would have just been an, an absolute forfeit. They, they're just saying, we just want to put more points on the board just so the, the loss doesn't look as bad. But here's the catch, the other side of it, Tom. The play call that they made, as I predicted it could be, was as bad of a play call as you have seen in the Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin era. So there you go. That's why I was not so as upset as everyone else was last week on that fourth down call because I didn't expect a good play call to come on fourth down. The third down scramble that Ben Roethlisberger had for five years, or it was like a third and two, ugly, one of the uglier runs in Ben's career, right? It, it didn't look like vintage Ben where he escaped the pocket, made a good deke, and got the first down. No, it was... He went through all of his reads, and, and he just found an opening. It wasn't a vintage Ben Roethlisberger play. It was, wow, I, I, I just can't believe he made that first down. Uh, it's scratching my head over it because it was a bad play call to begin with, and, and somehow the defense was poorly drawn up enough that they allowed Ben to get that first down. But here you are much later in the game on fourth down, and it's the worst play call since I mean it's the worst play call since last year on fourth down another fourth down play against Cleveland in the playoffs the out route to ben, uh, to Benny Snell to um Anthony to McFarlane Anthony McFarlane Tony Mack the wheel route trying to hit him deep when you yeah. just needed to get 10 yards for a first down and you're throwing the ball 30 yards down the field to your third string running back very questionable a lot of questionable stuff coming out of the offense of play calls in this game too but I think the biggest point is I don't know what Canada can do like I don't know what you can call because your quarterback can't move and your offensive line can't block so that really that really puts you in a pigeonhole as far as what you can actually call in and what you can actually do as an offensive coordinator so that's why I think you know to kind of put a bow on this whole just I would just label this episode as venting our feelings as far as the game is concerned is that you can't scheme around this because the offensive line is so bad and the quarterback is so immobile that there is no scheme there is no scheme that makes this work I mean the only thing that I can think of that would maybe pay dividends is you pretend like it's 1980 1990 football again and almost every single time you come out of the huddle you're in a jumbo package with two tight ends a fullback and Najee in the eye formation with Ben under center and Juju or Chase is like your only wide receiver split out wide and you try to just run the ball old school style down people's throats but uh, that's not going to happen because it's, it's 2021 in the NFL. Be lo that would look like a dinosaur of an offense, and I'm I'm not 100% certain that it would be effective either. No, I don't think it would be. Especially with the Steelers and their offensive, with their line, offensive line. yeah, Just not getting any holes, any traction for Najee to go through. Uh, I, there's a lot to blame, like we said. I think Ben definitely deserves his fair share of the blame, but I guess if I had to choose just one 
it's not even a person, it's a group that is costing this team dearly. It is that offensive line. That's the engine of any good football team. And like you said, Jacob, it's not even as bad as it was last year. It's much worse. Mm -mm. And I I forget who says it, but so many people did in the offseason when the Steelers opted to take Najee Harris. It doesn't matter how good your running back is. You could still, if your offensive line isn't it, yeah. you're not going to win. These and, people are right now. And I kept, I kept referring to Ben Roethlisberger on the podium after the 2008 Super Bowl when Ben Roethlisberger gave a shout-out to his O-line because he knew they were bad, and everyone knew they were bad. They knew they were bad, and they still won. But This offensive line makes worse. that one look like the 2017 Eagles. Like yeah. they, look like, they now look like the best offensive line to ever walk the face of the earth when you compare them to this offensive line right yep. now. And that is definitely the biggest thing that's holding this team back. But there's so much to, to get into with this game. Obviously, we'll get more into specifics in our next episode, so make sure you give that a listen. But that's going to do it for us here on this episode of the Steelers Standard. For Jacob Brecht, I am Tom Offerman. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen, and we will talk to you guys next time.